welcome back to Atypical Talk. This is a podcast where we have conversations that illuminate the intersection of faith, culture, and the common spaces of our humanity. I'm Abby. I'm Allison. And I'm Joel. So our opening question today is, aside from working at Bridgeway, you can't say Bridgeway and get brownie points, what is the <laughs> best job you've ever had and why? I just like the presumption that it's already the best job you've ever had. So I love that. I said it's for brownie working, points. A yeah. Uh, well, for me, I worked as a volunteer coordinator at a hospice organization. And I know you're probably like, uh, working in hospice doesn't sound like the best job you ever had. Seems super sad. Um, and parts of it were, but it was also so rewarding to be able to give their caregivers a respite a lot of times to either go to lunch with a friend or just get out of the house to be able to do whatever they wanted for a little bit so that way they could come back kind of refreshed and relaxed and ready to care for their loved one and so for me like that was just super rewarding I got paid to watch tv with these patients sometimes (laughs) I'm like oh this is such a rough job yeah um but yeah no it was I loved that that's it was cool. the highs of the highs and the lows and the lows. It right? really was. But you've had like a million jobs, though. I mean, not a million, but... <laughs> 200,000. <laughs> no, but you've, you've had a lot of different jobs. I mean, yeah, I just remember like when we first became friends, I was like, oh, man, you've worked a lot in the world. And yeah. <laughs> I haven't. So I've had like two jobs. Like, I, I mean, I've had gigs. Different roles. Yeah, yeah and yeah. things like that. But um, when I was in high school, when I started playing music and we weren't good enough to be a garage band, we were a basement band. And um, and so I took a job uh, working at a local church's daycare from three to six, Monday through Friday. So I came right from school and I was Mr. Joel for three <laughs> hours. And it honestly was such a great job. I worked with really cool people. I got to hang out with kids. I got there and from three to 3.30, they were still taking their nap. Love so that. I literally like <laughs> reset my life and my mind for 30 minutes sitting in a dark corner just chilling uh, <laughs> while they were taking a nap. Woke them up, took them to have a snack. We went and played. And then the last 30 minutes of the day was when parents were picking them up. And uh, we just watched Finding Nemo. So I've seen the first 30 minutes of Finding Nemo thousands of times probably. <laughs> uh, but it was a pretty cool job. And it really helped me cut my teeth and in some kind of ministry in some kind of ways. Because I also was in charge of doing a small chapel time for the kids. Oh, okay. So we would sing songs and silly songs and do a Bible <laughs> story too. But it was a great job. Three to yeah. six, low stress most of the time. Um, but Mr. Joel, that was my that was my gig <laughs> there. And then I just worked in a local church after I graduated college. So I've not worked very many jobs at all. Mm-hmm. You've had quite a few. Yeah. What about you, Abby? I've had a handful. I mean, I've worked in an ice cream shop, a pizza shop, and then... I had a couple different jobs during college and stuff, so it's it's been you know a handful. But and my she's favorite... worked. In, sorry to cut you off, but you've worked in radio. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so she, that's why she has that the radio voice. <laughs> yeah. you know, she's, all, she's worked in radio. Yes, I, love that. I worked at a couple of different radio stations. But my favorite job was probably thinking back about it was um, at the pizza shop because I just the my boss there wasn't the best. But he always gave me pizza to take home. <laughs> like, I never cooked any of the pizzas or anything like that. I just waited tables. But he always made sure. He's like, 
he could never remember how many siblings I had. He'd be like, how many siblings you got? Okay, I don't blame him. He probably I don't blame also him. thought you were just all like starving to death. There's so yeah, many kids. They like, gotta be hungry. He was like, I'll make you a couple pizzas. Take it home to your family. And it was a dream for someone who's addicted to garlic because uh-huh. everything we cooked there was made with garlic and it was amazing and some of the best pizza I've ever had, but they're closed down now. So oh, wow. that's sad. It is kind of interesting though in a couple of your jobs like ice cream and pizza, like you're making a lot of people happy in those mm-hmm. jobs. Like, it should be pretty happy with jobs there, ice cream and pizza. Uh, you'd think so, it. but everyone likes to yell at people. Oh. <laughs> Tis yeah. the public. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, I, I enjoyed that job for the most part and loved getting free food. So mm-hmm. I always feel like I missed a part of my human development because I never worked in a restaurant or anything. Yeah, or in my fast life. food. Yeah, it should like, be like a requirement of adulthood. I, I yeah. feel like <laughs> there's something missing in my personality and maturity because I never had to like wait tables and balance all these kind yeah, of different yeah. things. It does that. give you um there's a lot of learning experience that comes in dealing with the public and angry customers yeah. and a lot there's lots of life skills in working fast food you guys mm-hmm. yeah they're absolutely a requirement is. of adulthood you heard it here first <laughs> our first topic today is i haven't been the same since this tiktoker was shocked to find out that bucky's pays janitors the same wage as her office job why the demand for blue collar work is soaring this is a yahoo finance article by vijesh raising honey TikTok user Roxy Abernathy learned that Bucky's gas station pays its restroom janitors the same hourly wage as she earns as a case manager. I haven't been the same since, she says in the video, which has garnered more than 55,000 comments since she posted it. In her video, she shows a sign that lists starting wages at Bucky's. Restroom crew make $18 an hour to start, and food service and car wash employees make $19 an hour to start. Some blue-collar workers chimed in in her comment section, saying, I'm maintenance and I make more than most of the staff at my job, said TikTok user Sydney. People see us as less than because we clean toilets. The comments continued with many people pointing out other jobs that should be paid more or the same as these Bucky's employees. White-collar workers may experience a recession that blue-collar workers don't experience, said Dr. Giacomo Sant'Angelo an economics professor at Fordham University. He believes cultural disdain for manual labor has created this undersupply of blue-collar workers. We've gotten into this habit of saying it's important to go to college instead of saying it's important to learn a skill, Sant'Angelo says. Shortage of people willing to do these jobs have forced them to raise salaries in hopes to fill these positions. So did finding this out about Bucky surprise you as much as this TikTok user? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I'm like, uh, truth be told, I've never been to a Bucky's. I was mentioning off air just a couple of minutes ago that I read Bucky's a lot and I thought it was called Boussets or something like that. <laughs> but I never said that publicly until yeah. now on the podcast. It's so fancy. Yeah. Just, anyway, I don't know too much about it. Uh, I know that people are huge fans. And uh, it does surprise me because this is, um, you know, not the trend when it comes to the white collar, blue collar thing, and the way that many of our industries in the West, uh, many of our companies are set up. And so it's surprising. I, I, I'm like, something about it, like, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It feels, mm-hmm. it feels um, upside down. It feels a little like, 
like the kingdom of God stuff that Jesus was always on about of like what you would expect and where you don't think there's dignity. Here's dignity and here's what God's really after. It just sort of like lines up with that kind of story and narrative uh, that I'm drawn to. But yeah, I am surprised. And um, I, I would love to hear what the naysayers would even say about, you know, this model, because so often, you know, even when there was a fight over paying people that work um, in fast casual, fast food, whatever it's called <laughs> now correctly, um, of saying, well, you can't pay them $15 an hour because your Big Mac's going to cost now $10 and we're not going to sell anything. Uh, and the reality is that most of those wage, wages uh, were raised and some of the prices of food were raised, but people are still, still eating go. and they're still mm-hmm. going. Um, it just is just upside down a little mm-hmm. bit. So I'm surprised by it. I'm intrigued by it. And um, I think it's, it's a cool thing to say, to see. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times we push college and I'm, you know, guilty of this. I have two. I have a daughter who just graduated college and I have one that's going to be going next year. And, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, hey, you have to figure out where you're going to go. You have to figure out where you're going to go. Well, you know, instead of pushing the, hey, do you want to be a hairstylist? Hey, do you want to be a welder? Hey, you know, do you want to go into this skill or this trade? And um so it's interesting because, you know, even when you're applying for jobs, a lot of them require some sort of degree, whether it's a bachelor's or a master's, and then the pay is still oftentimes not equivalent to all of that schooling and the education that you've gone to get. I've seen many a job opportunity uh, in my other uh, careers, as you mentioned earlier, where um you know, the position will require a master's degree and then it paid like $13 an hour. Well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is not equivalent to a master's degree, you know, kind of a thing. So it, it, I love that it's upside down because I think a lot of times we put stake in getting these degrees and then we don't pay that equivalent. So I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. And I, and I sort of, I grew up, um, in a family where I was the very first, um, Larison in my family to get a college degree mm-hmm. to go to college, yeah. and it was really important um, that I went to school because my mom really wanted that, my dad mm-hmm. really wanted that, me too. And um, and it was a great experience for me, but um, I, I love how the article um, framed it a little bit, where the idea was the goal was not just going to college; it was you know thinking about having a skill, learning a skill, mm-hmm. and it. I would love the language to shift from the goal being college, but like maybe college is a tool so that we can learn a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the only tool that's out there. Yeah. And college is not for everyone. No. I mean, I have so <laughs> many friends and buddies that went to school for something that they're not doing anything mm-hmm. with it now, or they're honestly hamstrung by the debt that came from it. Um, and they're not making a wage that can really put yeah. a dent in it. So I I love that it seems like there's a cultural conversation about widening, widening what it looks like post high school. Um, and it's not like a one size fits all mm-hmm. in that way um, because um, our culture is just so much more interdependent um, than I think we realize it. Mm-hmm. Like we, for our society to work, we need people at all different kinds of jobs yeah. working in all different kinds of places 
um, because we need each other. Um, Paul writing in 1 Corinthians, he uses this illustration to these followers of Jesus in Corinth who are fighting and bickering and there's all this drama. He says, don't you know that you're the body of Christ and you're all different parts of the body and we need each other. It'd be so messed up if everybody was just an ear. No, we need eyes. We need arms. We need all these different kind of things. And even though the context there he's talking about the local church, I think it just points us to the wider picture that um, we need each other and no one's actually more um, important than anyone else. And I think so often the way that our society is structured, it plays into, well, if you're this level, then you're more important than that person. They're just hourly or they're just cleaning or they're maintenance. And man, anything that anything that we fall into as a people, as a culture that pushes against the that kind of you're just this mm-hmm. and pushing away dignity from people, uh, I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I've never been to a Bucky's, but mm-hmm. I hear they're ginormous. So yeah. I can only imagine the size of the restrooms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just think uh, they probably deserve a lot more money than that, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've been in a couple different Bucky's and they're huge and incredibly well run and like people will say that they literally go to stop at a Bucky's just to use the bathroom oh. because they have some of the nicest gas station See? and yeah. goats bathrooms <laughs> that you'll ever come across. I mean, it's basically every bathroom is its own room and you Whoa. don't have those right. terrible well, stalls that you can take, see. Road trip. Take a road trip, <laughs> drink a bunch of Mountain Dew, and we'll just... Take I've seen yeah. they have like Bucky's swimsuits and everything. Yeah. Like, I it's mean, a it's whole a, store and everything. It, it becomes your personality. I feel like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think they they do deserve to get that pay yeah. just because you know, especially some place like that that's so well run and has so high expectations for their employees. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have those high expectations, you have to meet it with yep. a salary that matches. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So do you guys think that there should be more equality between manual labor jobs and office jobs, like office jobs that are requiring like a bachelor's degree or a master's degree? Oh, man. Yes. (laughs) I I, I actually did a little bit of research into this because I think this is something that nobody talks about. um, But it's just it's gone out of control in probably our parents' lifetime, even to today. So um, just the, the ratio of pay, the disparity of pay between people at the top of the organizational structure to people that are entry level into whatever organizational structure that we're in. So um, actually in 2021, so this is coming to the end of the COVID era, the way that we knew it, the ratio of CEO to hourly or typical worker compensation was 399 to one. under the realized measure of CEO pay. And that's without understanding bonuses and incentives like that, 391, 99 to one, 400 to one, basically. What's fascinating about that is how quickly that has jumped up and how that's, we we think that's just normal, but it's really not. I mean, back to um, just a year earlier in 2020, it was 366 to one. So you saw a percentage jump there, but this is all this massive jump from 1965 that was 20 to one. <laughs> So there was a time in our parents' lifetime where, yes, they made more money, but it was like 20 to 1, which still sounds ridiculous when you actually think about real numbers, right? But now you're talking 400 to 1 is the norm. And what happens is somewhere along the line, we we just normalize that and say that, well, that's what they're worth, and that's why we can make so much more than this person coming in. And and there are some probably economics to, you know, the pay scales and things like that. But to think in our parents' lifetime, 20 to 1 mm-hmm. was 
you know, natural. And then 1989, uh, just I was, you know, two years old, 1989, it was 59 to one. So there was a, even a jump there, but you're saying in my lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so it just seems to be like something that's going off the rails that no one's talking about. And we're just saying, well, that's just the way it should be. And I do, I think it takes people at the top of any organizational structure to be like, just because I can get this salary, maybe I shouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, just because we can and the market can afford it doesn't mean that we need to push so hard for this one person to have this massive disparity mm-hmm. against people that are entering into um, the business. And I would love, this would be a really fascinating thing to have like an economics expert or somebody who's more versed in business to try to talk me off of this ledge. Um, Because I just, I'm trying to like understand um, what I've come to know and understand about the economy of God and the way that God orders things. And I just can't be okay with 400 to one, especially when it's like, it's not, it wasn't like that 30 years ago. It wasn't like that 50 years ago. And I'm like, I understand some of it, but we're just going off the rails and this disparity between classes and between people that are uh, they're worth it and people that are worth the slower thing. It doesn't have to be that way. So on the whole, go Bucky's. Yeah. I, will, <laughs> I will use your restrooms sometime. <laughs> and I will be very excited. But I also think like we just need to have a take a look at like this disparity that's just growing that, man, I'm just not okay with it just being it is what it is mm-hmm. when these are real people and real families. And um, I think it's really fascinating to think of it maybe differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what could it look like for your turnover or your employees? Like if you paid them a little bit more, paid yourself a little bit less, you know, they're more likely to probably stay. You're going to have less turnover, which, you know, all we hear from people these days is about how like it's hard to find people. Well, you've mm-hmm. got people treat them well, yeah. you know, yeah. while you have them and then they're, they're more willing to stay. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of benefits to not, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be equal. You know, the, you have a lot of um, intellectual it, property and, you know, you know a lot of things, but like, let's just make it 100 to one. Yeah, like, I'm just saying, yeah. like, even that, <laughs> spread you know what the I mean? love like, out. Spread uh, the love out. Yeah. And, and that's just, it's a really interesting thing. Cause like, this kind of thinking can, like, this can trickle into all different organizations mm-hmm. and to churches yeah, nonprofits, or something and nonprofits. Things, yeah. And, you know, you hear these kind of things. And um, I just know it's been something that, just because it's normal as we were even the beginning of starting Bridgeway and we were structuring salaries and all that kind of stuff, like um, we weren't playing by that's just what's normal. So Joel should get paid 500 times more than anybody else. Like, <laughs> that's just not the way that it worked out. And you know what? God's been faithful and kind and we want to do right by everyone. And, um, and so there's just these things that I'm like, man, we should just be asking these questions. Mm-hmm. Why is it growing like crazy? Yeah. And why is there this disparity between um, middle class and the top of the food chain the way that it is? Because it's not always been that way. Yeah. 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 So I think it's a fascinating conversation, mm-hmm. as you could probably tell from my passion. <laughs> yeah. So our second topic today is a Baptist News Global article by Mallory Chalice titled, Maybe There's a Hidden Message in Fallout Boy's Cover of We Didn't Start the Fire. We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel was first released in September 1989 and covered historical events between the years 1949 and 1989. On June 28th, Fall Out Boy released a new version of the song that covers news events from 1989 to 2023. They call this new version a system update. Some fans complain that the events aren't listed in chronological order like they were in the original song, but one notable change to the lyrics is in the chorus. 
The new chorus reads, We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. No, we didn't light it, but we're trying to fight it. While Billy Joel used past tense at the end of his chorus, we tried to fight it. Fall Out Boy uses present tense, we're trying to fight it. The author of the article says, This sentiment carries with it a hope for listeners that our efforts to bring about change in the world amid the insane news headlines published every day are contributing to the fight for a better world. We're not giving up, nor are we allowing the news to overtake us. Between numerous news sources and social media, our understanding of what's happening in the world can get muddled. Although there will inevitably be more overwhelming news to be reported and published for the rest of history, our generation's fight for change might one day be a positive verse in future renditions of Billy Joel's iconic song. So what did you guys think of the song and their lyric change? I'm just disappointed that they took out the greatest lyric. Rock and roll cola wars, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> no, I have like way. core memories of like being in elementary school and us like learning about history through this song in a music class, and it was awesome. But uh, <laughs> no, I think this sentiment is awesome. Um, I, I think it's cool that they got permission from Billy Joel to do this and to make it work, but I think it's creative. And of course, I, I love the lyric change. Mm-hmm. I, I Come on, like... I am a person who believes in the resurrection of Jesus and hope and that uh, the world doesn't have to be just as we've seen it and it's more malleable than we ever dreamed it to be. So I love changing it from the passive, passive like we tried to, we're trying to, because mm-hmm. that's the work that I'm up to and that's the work that God's up to. And I want to work towards things getting better and not just folding my arms from the sidelines, but getting my hands dirty and um, making the world better um, for everyone mm-hmm. so man yes i'm all about it i, I don't really like fallout boy but like they, <laughs> they've, they, they've made it to my playlist because of this um, i think it was a creative idea and i love the sentiment it's it mm-hmm. lines up with how i want to see the world and when i have those darker days it's the kind of thing that can push me to there's more there's more to this yeah. and let's keep in the fight it's worth it yeah. it reminds me of uh, the scene from a great tv show um from Aaron Sorkin, who created the West Wing. It's called The Newsroom. It was on HBO from like 2012 to 2014. And they're discouraged because they feel like they just can't make a difference with their work and they want to make the world better and they can. One character is encouraging this discouraged person saying, hey, it's you need to remember you're in a boat and there's a hole in the boat and water's pouring into the boat, but you've got a bucket every day and you keep using that bucket to get water out and that's your role. It's going to be hard. But you keep working at it. And um, this sentiment of, you know, we're trying to fight it is just a great example of like, no, let's stay in the game. Let's stay in the fight. Let's encourage each other to keep working to um, bring the up there down here because we know that's what God's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's not the world's not over. So mm-hmm. it's not like we tried. Uh, uh, didn't work. And yeah. so we failed. We're just throwing our hands up like that's what I love about it. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, Joel talks about like the hope that it gives and all of that kind of thing. So like big fan but yeah the other lyric it just makes it sound like well we gave it our best shot mm-hmm. didn't quite work out but. it wasn't our fault yeah <laughs> we didn't start the fire yeah. you know what i mean like Hope, you oh, know yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah so yes. no i i'm a big fan of the change mm-hmm. i love this song just because it covers all these historical events that happened during my lifetime yeah. <laughs> the old one i'm like I you wasn't around it. for any I of I don't know those things. <laughs> Chairman yeah. Mao. What? <laughs> yeah, yes. no, but I love this song. Uh, so what do you guys think about the author saying that the news bec- can become jumbled and overwhelming? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're drowning in information. Yeah. And now in an era where we're trying to f- determine truth and there's this whole notion of fake news and news that's got a ideological bent. And so you're not trusting it based on your ideological bent. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me, I heard this uh, quote. This is not a Joel original at all, but I thought it was so fascinating just to describe this cultural moment. I, uh, I think where it's attributed online right now is E.O. Wilson, who I don't know who E.O. is, but great initials. <laughs> he says this, we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. And you think about how we are you know, hit with so many messages and so much what's true, what's true, but we're, we're starving for wisdom to understand how to sift through it, how to make sense of it all. And so I do think that this the way that our phones are impacting us and social media and news and influences are all jumbled up. Yeah, it's it's confusing and it can lead you to despair or that notion of throwing your hands up in the air like, well, it's all going to hell in a handbasket mm-hmm. and we didn't start the fire yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that's something that we all struggle with. And it'd be easier just to go to happynews.com every day and read about puppies or yeah. something great mm-hmm. instead of what's really going on in yeah. the world, which yeah. can be confusing and complicated and challenging. Um, yeah, so I, I totally mean, like agree. Decades and decades ago, obviously, you sit around a TV. The news is only on a couple times a night. You that's when you got your information, you know, or the newspaper in the morning. But now, you know, we get news alerts on our phone constantly. And by the time that we try to process the first one that has come across our screen, another one is already coming up. So I think a lot of times we just in conflicting, uh, conflicting yeah, messages. Yeah, sometimes, and so right? we just don't even know what to do because we have so much information that then we just get paralyzed and we do nothing or Mm -hmm. we process nothing, you know, and we just kind of become desensitized to all of the alerts. I mean, to the fact that there's still like wars going on in parts of the world. But like right now we're so just focused on what we're doing because we can't process that Mm -hmm. because there's just so much happening that we just, you know, yeah, our, our, our attention it. span is also so less than so much. Mm-hmm. So like so the fact I was listening to a, um, a report from the New York Times Daily podcast on a drive I had this afternoon, and they were talking about the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Still a thing. That's yeah, you guys. Still still going. And there's like mm-hmm. a lot of bloodshed this last week. And they're like, oh, my attention span. You know what I mean? Yeah. Our attention span. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I mean, we're, we're hit with so much information that um, – it, it can be paralyzing. Yeah. I think that that's a challenge for us to not to be desensitized or just normalize terrible things or be paralyzed by it, but keep fighting mm-hmm. and keep being a part of hopefully a solution. Yeah. So on the topic of Billy Joel, Fallout Boy, all of that, if you could see any band or artist live that no longer tours, who would it be? I'm pretty sure I know Joel's answer. Uh-oh. No longer tours. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Well, mine's the see, Beatles. Be, it's the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm so glad that you guys said that. I'm so glad. I was gonna feel like I've done a terrible, terrible job of opening you up to my mind. Yeah, like the reality, you know. And I was just thinking about it this afternoon. Like, I mean, the Beatles. There's only two surviving members. Yeah. So they left. can't. They can't all get together. together. Yeah. But I thought, man, if John Lennon was still alive, and if George Harrison was still alive, John Lennon was tragically murdered, and uh, George Harrison died of cancer. Um, it would be the most incredible thing because so many bands of that era, even bands later, they're doing like these tours where they play like an album all the way through. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, could you imagine if like the Beatles were doing Sergeant Peppers <laughs> and the Lonely Hearts Club playing like all the way through and they were all alive? Yeah. And I mean, it could have been the coolest thing. And it's amazing just the impact that they still have on popular culture and, you know, 
they were only a band, like they only made records sure for like time. five years. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. amazing to me. But yeah, number one, it would be, uh, it would be the Beatles. The second one for me um, would be Led Zeppelin, and there's they only have two remaining members as well. Um, but that would have been pretty mm-hmm. stinking cool too. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Or to yeah. see the Grateful Dead with Jerry Garcia if he was still alive, oh, yeah. that would have been a thing too. But I digress. Joel's <laughs> got his list. Oh he man, I got really my list. Does. Yeah. Uh, no, I hadn't really thought about this for very long and so I was like who would I go see um I think if I could kind of go back in time almost like if I could be a teenager in a different generation I would have loved to have seen like Bon Jovi in their heyday like big hair hair late 80s yeah hair day (laughs) (laughs) uh anyways but like when they were super popular I would not want them to tour now they're still touring now I I had friends that saw them last year it's so funny they were doing like a movie thing weren't they like in drive-ins or something I don't think it was actual I don't know but anyways (laughs) I would have wanted to see them then so let me just back up to that but living on a prayer Allison I I really am um but now um if Destiny's Child could just get back together for a little bit you guys I would I would be all in it would be embarrassing that's what I was thinking it would make so much because Beyonce is gonna like, like she's gonna make a ton on this yes, current. She's like gonna because Taylor Swift's gonna break the all time um, touring record. Yeah. But Beyonce is breaking the old record as well yeah. this summer. They're saying yeah. so like and she's just doing it solo. I so know. can you imagine if Destiny get Child, back together, you guys? Oh my god, <laughs> we're I'm also sounding it. very old. That's I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> Yeah, what about you, Abby? I would do the same thing where if I could go back in time, I'd want to see the Beach Boys when they were popular. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure I looked it up the other day. The group that currently tours, only one of them is the original. Yeah, I think it's one of two. Yeah, yeah. So, so you need to talk to Nico sometime because Nico saw Brian Wilson, who was the brains behind yeah, the Beach Boys, like five awesome. or six years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> and said it was kind of sad though because oh. he's, he's really, he's really old. old. Yeah, he's yeah. that's the <laughs> thing the too. Thing, it's yeah. like I don't want to go watch him. A now. bunch of old people. Yeah, like, I want to watch the Beach Boys, the original <laughs> band. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So, oh, I haven't gone to a concert in like a week. This is terrible. You guys are <laughs> a whole week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever will he do? <laughs> so our final topic today is a Washington Post article by Naomi Nix and Leo Sands titled with thread signups surging past 30 million Zuckerberg notches a win. It's hard to imagine a better launch for a new social media network than Meta's Threads app, which by Thursday had attracted more than 30 million signups in less than 24 hours. Not only did the platform's user base grow quickly, but it also attracted social media stars and celebrities with the power to generate the kind of buzz that most startups could only dream of. Meta is betting that the large user base and cultural cachet of Instagram will give threads an edge that other Twitter alternatives starting from zero have lacked. But experts say the company still faces challenges to avoid MySpace-level obscurity for threads, including developing features that social media power users have grown accustomed to and sustaining a steady flow of content that will keep everyday people engaged. Meta has billed threads as a positive space where users can tune out the noise. We're definitely focusing on kindness and making this a friendly place, Zuckerberg said late Wednesday. Over at Twitter, Musk attacked Instagram for promoting what he called fake positivity, appearing to lean into the contrast. It is infinitely preferable to be attacked by strangers on Twitter than indulge in the false happiness of hide-the-pain Instagram, he wrote on Twitter late Wednesday. 
What are your guys' thoughts on threads? I'm interested to hear what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I downloaded it, I think, yesterday or something, just mm-hmm. kind of in prep uh, of all of this, just to see. Um, I don't know. It was fine, okay? But here's what I really want. I want um, an app like this where I can only see the people I follow. Because whether it's on Twitter or threads, they show me all sorts of people that I think they think I'll like. Mm-hmm. And, the algorithm um, told you so. Let's just say they don't know me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not like TikTok. Their algorithm isn't working the same, okay? It's different, <laughs> let's say. But um, I never want to see what they suggest. I don't mm-hmm. know why I can't just have an entire feed of the people that I click the follow button yeah. on. Because Facebook? she'll spend less time on the app that way because there's not as <laughs> well, many I'm not people. Well, I'm not going to spend any time what on I'm saying, it. What I'm saying is, <laughs> but that's their whole business plan is to get you, yeah. to get you to stay on there longer. I get and it. And if there's not enough people for you to follow, you don't spend enough time. So they send you people so it's wasting more of your it. time. It's but, maniacal. But now I'm just a uh, block, block, yeah. block. Facebook like, does the enemy. same thing. And like <laughs> the, their algorithm is awful because last night I got a suggested post for traffic updates in some county in Arkansas. Yeah. I'm like, why do you think I want this? (laughs) I'm not in Arkansas. See more of this? Nah, bro. Nah. But so that's my one, like, just kind of critique. And I know that they're working on other things, too. Like, you can't, there's no, like, DM inbox on threads right now like there is on Twitter and different things. So I know that they're still working on it. But I don't know. I know Joel uses Twitter way more than I do. I used it, I mean, back in the day for a while. But then I just kind of got away from it. It just wasn't a... I don't know. wasn't a thing for me anymore, but too much politics, too much arguing, mm-hmm. too many hot takes. I don't know. I'll pass. Yeah, uh, it's it's really interesting. I haven't jumped into threads yet, um, but... Am I selling you on it? Yeah, <laughs> well, like, I will just say that, like, Twitter is, it's really rough right now. And I've been a user since, like, 2007 mm-hmm. and um, always had a lot of fun and being able to follow certain people. I, I enjoy it for the most part. But right now it's rough. Like, it, it feels like two-thirds of the people on my feed are people that I don't follow, but the algorithm's telling yeah. me to do so. And, you know, some of the moves that Elon Musk made after he, you know, purchased the side of making people pay for the blue check mark mm-hmm. and just some of the strange things, like, where they're like limiting tweets that you can get right now because they don't want people to use the data for AI purposes mm-hmm. without getting paid. I mean, it's just a really strange thing. Um, but I'm also not like excited about Zuckerberg having more space in my brain too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it's a weird thing that like, it feels like culturally people are rooting for Mark Zuckerberg and Meta, which is like the largest social media company in the world now with Instagram mm-hmm. and with Facebook. Um, I, I'm kind of just like, trust any of these guys you know what i mean like in that kind of a way which is and, probably and a I, good thing and i will and i will say like i understand the marketing of threads to make it this happy positive place but people bring themselves with them wherever yeah, they people go people are yeah. gonna people yeah. on yeah. threads or and twitter I, feel like I get that as yeah. a selling point but like the more angry our culture is they're gonna bring that with them and you mm-hmm. can't edit that out and yeah editing out those things are probably not healthy. I mean, it's probably not healthy to be divulging those things on social media either, but like <laughs> we're real full people with full scale of emotions. And I do think it's, there should be a place if part of our lives are digital. Now there should be a place online where we can share what we think and mm-hmm. you know, what we believe and feel and all those kind of things without fear of um, any kind of harm. So I'm a, I'm a slow adapter adopter on 
threads. We'll see if I jump into it. But man, it felt like everybody I followed on Twitter said, I just started over on threads. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I missing out? <laughs> I didn't I even know out? what threads was when that was started popping yeah. up on my Twitter. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why? Threads? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, like I, I do, I take maybe, I'll call it a more realist approach, but my wife would probably say more cynical, but like, uh, no, I just think that like with social media, like their businesses Mm -hmm. and their, their currency is our attention and our data. And they're going to do what it takes to get more eyeballs and more of your time on these apps because that's how they make money. Mm -hmm. And so like, again, let's, I hope that we can, whatever platform that we use, that they can be things that we can use instead of them just using us Mm -hmm. and, to not be controlled or mastered by anything, to use a New Testament phrase, um, whatever it might look like. But it's a strange time when Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg are going to basically have a boxing match yeah, he's well, the king of the world. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was telling Abby earlier is, like, I, I get the concept of threads, but also because we already have Twitter, like, can we come up with something else? Because this just feels like, you know, those two trying to – one up each other and it's just testosterone and egos and like but we already have it so come on mark like come up with a different app that we don't already have and i'll be all on board but but mark smells zuckerberg smells blood in the water because twitter is such a dumpster fire and there are people that like the old twitter (laughs) and it's a dumpster fire right now and so there's money to be made there is i get it but i'm just like oh man i'll start i'll start my threads account later this week and yeah. I can't wait to see the suggested Just accounts. puppies. Just puppies. <laughs> I, and... I would be fine if they suggested puppies to me, but they don't. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of Atypical Talk. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about, email those to atypicaltalkpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Atypical Talk Pod, and make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to get notifications when new episodes go up. We hope that these conversations today have helped you think wider, love deeper, and partner with God to bring the up there, down here in your everyday life. Thanks for listening. Mm